Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for uh, this new venue. Thank you that when we walk, we, when we came, the doors were already open, Father. Uh, Father, thank you for those who are here for the first time. Thank you for those who have been here before. Thank you for those who are members of the church. Father God, I pray that you move me aside as I am just a sinful man. But I pray that you speak to your people. You speak to everyone in this room. Even speak to the security guard that is upstairs, Father God. And I pray, Father God, that we can come out of this room as changed people, Father God. But in order to be changed people, we've got to have a new mind. We've got to have a different mind. We've got to have a... A, a mind change, Father. And I pray that we have a mind change, which actually means repentance. So I pray when we walk out this door, we make a decision to change. We make a decision to do something different. We make a decision to make our lives better. We thank you. We love you. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Isn't it good to be here, church? You guys fired up about the new venue? Look behind you. You see, there's a lot of seats we got to fill up. Amen? The Bible says in Jude, chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, verse 22, it says, Be merciful to those who doubt. See, we have a lot of people who doubt. They may doubt God. They may doubt the calling that God has for their life. You may be here doubting today, but don't worry, there'll be mercy. And verse 23, it says, Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. This is a very powerful scripture. It says, Save others by snatching them from the fire. Well, what fire? The fire of hell. And then it says, To others show mercy, mixed with fear, Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. That says, even if someone's clothes is stained by evil, by, by corruption. It, it says that, hate it. It says, hate what is evil. Hate what is wicked. Hate what is bad. It says, saving others by snatching them from the fire. When I think of the word snatch, I actually looked up. The word snatch means quick seize in rude or eager way. So someone may have spoken to God to you before and you may have felt, man, this person is kind of rude. They're kind of pushing me into Christianity. They're kind of pushing me into the Bible. But that individual is only trying to obey the scripture where it says snatch people from the fire. See, you may have felt pressure to study the Bible. You may have felt pressure to come out to church. You may have felt pressure to be right with God. And that's a godly pressure, amen? That's actually a good pressure. That's a pressure that you need to be close to God. As I think about God, I think about the different names of God. I think about El Shaddai, which means Lord God Almighty. That the Lord God is a mighty God. I think about Elion, which means the Most High God. I think about Adonai, Lord Master. I think about Yahweh, which is Lord Jehovah. I think about Jehovah Ra, which is the Lord is my shepherd. 
The Lord shepherds me. I think about Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. The Lord my banner. We have Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord who heals. We have Jehovah Shammah, which is the Lord is there. The Lord is here with us. Amen. I think about El Olam, which means the everlasting God. Elohim, which simply means God. I think about the name Kwana, which means a jealous God. See, God is a jealous God. What, what does that mean? Isn't that a sin? Well, it's a sin for us. But God wants to be our number one. And our only number one right there. Because that's the best number one we could ever have. I think about Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. See, the Lord always provides. You guys have clothes on your back, so the Lord has provided. I think about Jehovah Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. I think about Jehovah Sabbath, which means the Lord of hosts. Or some translation says the Lord of armies. Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. The title of the lesson today is the names of God. We're going to be looking at some of the names that I've called out. We're going to be looking at the names of God. Genesis chapter 17. I've been studying this out in the morning for my quiet times. Well, what is my quiet time? It's when I wake up in the morning, I I, I open up my Bible, and I start reading it. And I I read it, I take notes, I, I, I try to understand what God wants to teach me. I try to understand what God wants to show me every morning. And in Genesis 17, verse 1, it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you, And will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down. And the God said to him. As for me. This is my covenant with you. You will be be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And the kings will come from you. And the church said. This is very powerful. At the end, God says kings will come from you. If you're sitting in this room right now, you are a king or a queen of God. When God looks down at you, he's saying you are a king. When God looks down at you, he's saying you are a queen. You are a beautiful queen. And you're going to be someone's princess one day. And Naomi's fired up about that right there. Samuel and Naomi, they're engaged. They're due to get married in a couple months. And they see themselves as king and queens. And they're going to be united as prince and princess. And when we look at the sisters in the church as queens and as princesses, We got to see that the brothers have to take care of the sisters. Amen. The brothers have to lead the sisters. Amen. So 
for the brothers who are married, we got that partner right there, amen? Right? I got my partner right there, Mary Jane. So, that's my babe. Just so you guys know, I love her very much. But for the brothers who are single, we've got to take care of all the sisters. And I got to bring this up at the beginning. There's some sisters who, who just don't feel close to brothers. There's some sisters who, who feel like they don't really have a close connection with any of the brothers. And that's a shame. That means that brothers are being picky. They're nitpicking on who they have a relationship with. Jesus didn't nitpick a relationship with you. He did lay down some standards. But Jesus says, even though you have all these flaws, even though I see all these blemishes, all these pimples, all these marks on your face, I still want a relationship with you. That's our Lord Jesus Christ right there. What an awesome God we have. We got to treat the sisters the same way Christ has treated us. We've got to go after relationships with each and every single person in the church. Now, we see in uh, Genesis 17, it's really powerful because Abraham got his name changed to Abraham. See, also when you get married, you have a name change right there. And we see that God himself said that I am God Almighty. My first point is El Shaddai. Lord God Almighty. And God here, He says, I will make you very fruitful. The question may be, are you very fruitful? Okay, let's take it a step back. Are you fruitful? Let's take another step back. Have you ever been fruitful? And what is fruit? Fruit can come in many ways. Fruit can come with members who join the church. Fruit can be getting better jobs. Fruit can be just increasing a flow that comes in your bank account. Amen. Fruit comes in all and different directions. Fruits can be you winning a boxing match right there. So we got a, a, a guy who's visiting named Ryan right there. He's a boxer. And uh, I think he has a fight coming up. And, and if he wins that fight, that's some fruit right there. Amen. <clears throat> but the reason why you may not be fruitful is because you don't see the Lord as the Lord God Almighty. You may not see God as a mighty God. You know, God's name is also Elion, which is the most high God. He's on top. He's Lord God Almighty. He is the most high. He is on top. And El Olam is the everlasting God. So the Lord God Almighty is the most high and he's everlasting. What a God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. El Shaddai occurs seven times in the Old Testament. Lord God Almighty. And it's amazing because Abraham doesn't say, El Shaddai, your Lord God. God comes and says, I am El Shaddai. I am the Lord God Almighty. See, if you're here today, God wants you to know that He is the Almighty God. And He can do anything. He can make you very fruitful. We just got to go to God. 
Elion occurs 28 times in the Old Testament. 19 times in the book of Psalms. And it first appears in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. Our God is the Most High. There is no one else above God. There is no one on the same level as God. There is no one that can even compare to His level. You know what happened to the guy that tried to compare his level to God? You guys know what happened? He got cast down. God created hell just for Satan. He was known as Lucifer. Beautiful. But his beauty caused his downfall. It's his pride. Not not because he's beautiful, but his pride. And he thought he could get on the same level as God. You may think you can get on the same level as God by trying to get on the same level as leadership and trying to do things your own way. Let me tell you something. No one here has been very fruitful. So no one here should be trying to do things their own way. No one here has had so much fruit in their lives that they can make decisions on their own in the sense of what goes on through the church, what goes on in Bible study, what goes on even in your personal life. I haven't seen fruit. So we've got to go after more advice. We've got to go after, hey, hey, bro, what can I do to improve in this area? But not only that, we've got to take advice. I think... What do I mean by taking advice? Well, when you go to get advice from someone and they give you advice, you got to actually do it. There's a false humility if you ask for advice and then you don't actually go and do it. That's pride. That's prideful. And you may, I've done that before. I've gotten advice to look good. Yeah, getting advice. These people see me getting advice from the leaders right there. I'm looking good right there. I'm with, I'm with this leader right there. Hey, bro, how you doing? Yeah, can I? Yeah, yeah. Or you ask advice about dating relationships or, or, or dating over and over and over again. But you don't even put that into practice. And then you don't have any fruit in any other areas of your life. Is the Lord God your mighty God? If He was to come right now, would you be able to say, God, I've lived my life knowing that you are the Almighty. I've lived my life knowing that you are mighty. I lived my life knowing that you are the Most High God. Would you be able to say that to God? El Olam, the everlasting God, appears in Genesis chapter 21, verse 33. And Abraham calls God, saying, Eternal God, everlasting God. Adonai means Lord or Master. You know, Adonai is a verbal parallel to Yahweh and Jehovah. Adonai appears 434 times in the Old Testament. 200 times in Ezekiel, 11 times in Daniel. Let's go to Genesis chapter uh, 15. Genesis chapter 15. We're in the beginning, guys. 
There's not many New Testament scriptures today. In verse 1 it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate... Wrong scripture. Sorry about that, guys. But we can stay there, actually. In verse 1, it says, I am your shield, your very great reward. You know, this is powerful. God comes here and says that I am your shield and I am your very great reward. What reward are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the fruit or is God your reward? Are you waiting for that financial breakthrough or are you okay with God being your reward? See, I think that's an issue. There's no fruit and we're not fired up about God. There's something wrong. Now, maybe there wouldn't be no fruit, but you're fired up from God. You're fired up about God. Then we have to ask, okay, well, are you really praying to God? Are you really reading your Bible? But if there's no fruit and you're not really fired up about God, the question would be then, are you even a Christian? Are you even a disciple? What's, what's going on in your life? Uh, is there sin that you haven't been open about? Is there sin that you're involved with that you just don't want no one to know? You know, I was in a lot of sin in the world. There was a lot of sin that I did not want anyone to know about. I remember even praying to God and like, God, I pray that no one will ever find out about all the wicked stuff that I've done. I don't even want anyone in heaven who's in heaven right now to know about the wicked stuff I've done. I don't even want the angels to know about all the stuff that I've done. And the angels already seen all this, all that what I've done. And then when I started studying the Bible, I saw the call to be open. And I struggled with that. I did not want to be open about sin. I didn't want to be open about my life. But I truly believed I loved God more than anyone else. So I got open. I talked about my pornography, my masturbation that I was addicted to. I talked about how I got into transvestite pornography. All that wicked and and terrible stuff I didn't want people to know about. And I was able to trust God by trusting the people that God has put into my life. And I was able to overcome these sins, and I haven't been back to it ever since. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter, sa- uh, Peter he says that Jesus is our Lord and Messiah. Adonai. Jesus is Adonai. He is Lord. Adonai means Lord. Adonai is very popular for the Jews. They see him as Lord and as Master. And we know in Luke 11, Jesus comes to them and says, Hey, say Father. Because they kept saying Adonai. El Shaddai. Which is awesome. These are great words. It is most powerful. The Most High God. The Lord God Almighty. Lord Master. This is awesome. But they didn't see God as a father. You know, today in this generation, there's a lot of absent fathers. And 
for those who had absent fathers, or even that you may have a father, but he wasn't really in there in your life, it's hard to see God as our father. It's hard to understand God to be our heavenly father. We understand God as our master. We understand God is holy. We understand God is powerful. But it can be hard to understand that God is our father. And God wants to love us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to have a father-son, a father-daughter relationship. And this is what Jesus is trying to help his disciples in Luke 11. Hey, say, Father, hallowed be your name. That is a personal relationship. You may be here today believing in God, believing in the Bible, knowing the good you ought to do, knowing that God is the Lord God Almighty. He's the most high God. He is Lord. He is master. But you don't actually have a relationship with God. You don't have a personal relationship with God. Your relationship may be based on the pastor. Your relationship may be based on the, 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 the leader that is in the church or the leader that is leading that specific area of the church that you may go to. And we see here, God wants a personal relationship with everyone in this room. You may be slacking on your relationship with God. And God wants you to remind you that he is your father. And what do we do with our fathers? We love them, but what, what, what do we usually do with our fathers? Yeah, we honor and respect them, but come on, brothers, what do we usually do? We ask them for money, right? We ask our dad for money, like, dad, can you help us out? Can you, like... We ask, we ask our... And it's okay to ask God for stuff. He's our dad. Yeah, we gotta love God. We gotta... We, we, we gotta... We gotta uh, I have an awe of God. As we have an awe of our father, should have an awe of our father in the sense that he created us. And he's the man that God put in our life to father us. But God is our father. And we can ask God for fatherly things. We can ask God for money. We can ask God for, you can say, a new bike. Right? You can ask God for gifts at Christmas. You can ask God for things. You can totally ask God. What's that thing that you, you're, you're too afraid to ask God? Or, or you feel like it's not your position to ask God? You got to start asking God. You want to get married? Go to God. Don't go to someone who's married. You want a better job? Go to God. And then apply for jobs. You, you, you want anything? Go to God. God is your father. I want to challenge you guys. We got to respect God more. He is our Lord, our Master. He is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. We've got to have a, a better respect for God. We've got to be in awe of God. And the challenge is to respect God in the mornings. When you get up and you don't, rec- you don't give God recognition in the morning, you disrespect God. I've disrespected God plenty of times. And I've been in sin. And I've called myself to repent. I want to call the church to repent. If one of the first things you do is not read the Bible and pray, you're in sin. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you're in sin. I want to challenge you to start reading your Bible in the morning. I want to challenge you to start praying in the morning. Let's go to Exodus chapter 15. In the Old Testament today... 
So now we're going to take uh, the place right now is where Moses has taken his people across the Red Sea. So, so, so they're saved. Moses has saved the people, but God used Moses, okay? So check this out. This is three days after they crossed the Red Sea. Verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Morah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Morah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. The Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if, you're, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. My second point, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. It says, the Lord heals you. God says, I am the Lord who heals you. This is power. You know, something I really notice is that God is, is saying, I am these things. You know, sometimes we, we read in the Bible and there's an individual, there's like a, a disciple or there's an Israelite that says, God is amazing. God is awesome. But here, God is saying, I am the one that heals you. Don't forget. I think we can forget that God heals. We can forget what can God heal. God can heal us. Question, is God healing you? Are you allowing God to heal you? Healing does not come from anything else but God. Healing won't come from friendships. Healing won't come from marriages. Healing won't come from dating relationships. Healing won't come from having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend. Healing won't come from getting a new job. Healing won't come from getting a lot of money. Healing won't come from going to the club. Healing won't come from drinking. Healing won't come from smoking. Healing will not come from any of these worldly things. Healing only comes from the Lord. We see Jehovah is the great physician. Who heals the physical and emotional needs of his people. Today we don't necessarily need a lot of physical healing. Because even when we get physically injured, we can still go about our business. We can still go about our day. Now yes, can God heal us physically? Totally. And you should ask God, but God may not physically heal you right there. But one thing God can totally do is heal us emotionally. I think emotionally we are wreck. Emotionally we are damaged. And God can heal us. God can heal you from abuse. God can heal you from a death in your family. God can heal you from sickness. He can heal you from depression. He can heal you from anxiety. He can heal you from a lack of joy. God can heal you from unforgiveness. God can even heal you from a lack of fruit right there. God can heal you. We just got to stop playing the victim card. Amen. 
Having the victim card mentally will cause you not to grow. It, it, it will make you be at a standstill in your life. Have a, having a victim mentality that you are the victim. Because this has happened in my life. I, 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 I'm struggling. Yes, you will struggle. Yes, you, to be honest, you won't get over it. Because you will remember certain situations in your life for the rest of your life. So you don't necessarily get over certain things, but you learn to deal with them. You learn to go through them. You learn to carry your cross. When we play the victim card, it's hard to grow. When we play the victim card, it's hard to do things. It's hard to grow. Grow in your career. It's hard to grow spiritually. It's it's hard to grow in general. It's even hard to go to the gym. You play the victim card, it is tough to go to the gym. You may go once or twice, but you're going to stop going. Or you may go, and you may not lift a lot of weights. Because you're just thinking about yourself. You're just thinking a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Because you're playing the victim card. It's not cool to play the victim card. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to have bad days. I've had bad days. I've struggled at moments in my life. But it's not okay to stay in that spot and play the victim card. God has allowed tragedy to happen in your life for a reason. So you can grow and help others. You got to remember, someone is living a worse life than you. Someone has had even... Worst things happen to them. I'm reading this book called You Can't Hurt Me. Is it You Can't Hurt Me? Can't Hurt Me. And it's about a man named David uh, Goggins. And he basically had a terrible childhood. Terrible childhood. Abuse. His mom was getting beaten. He would get beaten. Um, it was crazy. His mom finally got out. Uh, took, took the son, took him with her. They had another son, but he, he went back to the dad, so on and so forth. There's so much going through high school, having to deal with racism. Um, and then he trains for the uh, uh, Navy SEALs. And, and he makes it, and he becomes a Navy SEAL. And he goes through so much hardship and so much challenge and, and, and so much hard work and so much fitness and so much training, and he makes it. And then after the SEALs, he gets into running. He starts doing like things like the 10K, he starts doing the marathon. Then he, he, he took upon himself to do this thing called uh, uh, 100 miles in 24 hours. So this guy ran 100 miles, I think in under, just under 24 hours. And this guy, after the race, he had fractures in his feet, like fractures in his legs. He had... Um, a kidney, he was having kidney failure and he wouldn't go to the hospital. He just went home and was laying sideways in the bath. And like two days later, he went to work. And he could have played the victim card. He could have been like, oh, I'm tired, I'm injured, I'm hurt, let me take some days off of work. He didn't take any day off of work. And then he trained for all these different events, all these different marathons. Uh, and just doing a hundred miles, over a hundred miles, crazy stuff, pushing through, fighting, winning the battle mentally in his mind. 
And then one day he was training and his heart was racing. And he slowed down and went down. So he started doing some more exercise. I think he was coming back home from work, something like that. And then his heart started racing again. And he's like, okay, this is something's wrong. So he went to the hospital and he checked him over and he found out that he had a hole in his heart. This hole was there from birth. He literally could have died at any moment. Literally. And guess what? That didn't even stop him. After that, he went after two surgeries to get his heart right. Because he was like, I'm not going to play the victim card. I'm going to get back out there and I'm going to run. He would, he would not mentally, he would not retire. He, he should have stopped. I, for me, I'm thinking like, this guy should have stopped. I would have stopped a long time ago. I probably would have stopped at the Navy SEALs and just quit and do something else. <laughs> but this guy didn't even stop. Even when he had a health defect, a hole in his heart. I don't think any of us or many of us have holes in our heart. Spiritually, but not physically. And it's a spiritual lesson. I think we have spiritual holes in our heart. And we're not allowing ourselves to go through that spiritual surgery to get that healing. That spiritual surgery so we can continue running the race that God has prepared for us. Are you playing the victim card? If you are, get open. It's like, hey, I just feel like I've been playing the victim card. Now, if you're not playing the victim card and you've you, you, you just gone through a terrible time, Amen. Get that healing that comes from God. It doesn't come from anything else. I think of Jehovah Nisi, which is the Lord, my banner. That's in Exodus 17, 15. The first part in 15, it says, Moses built an altar and called it The Lord is my banner. Is the Lord your banner? See, when people would go out to war, they would hold, um, usually hold a flag, and this would kind of be their banner. They would have a flag and flagpole, and they would be out on the uh, front lines. And they would wave the flag. And this would give the people hope. This would encourage the people. Get people ready for battle. Does God get you ready for battle? Is God your hope? Is God your banner? Does God encourage me? Is the God the banner of your encouragement? You know, I I really think we need to go after God for God to heal us. And for God to be our banner. For God to be our hope. For God to be our encouragement. And think about banners. You guys see, for a couple weeks, we've only had one banner. Now... I want to get a new banner. I don't, I, I really, I don't want to get another banner that's like that and then a couple weeks later we get new banners. That actually is, we're wasting money if we do that. We need to get a new banner. So, that's the challenge. Help me get a new banner by next week. Amen? Amen. Awesome. And let God be your banner. Third and final point is in Ezekiel chapter 48. Ezekiel chapter 48. So Ezekiel, he's having, a, having some visions, and he has this vision about the new temple, about the temple. Ezekiel 
And in verse 35, this is about the temple. It says, the distance all around will be 18,000 cubits, which is about six miles. And the name of the city from that time on will be, the Lord is there. This is very powerful because this resembles that God is still there for the Israelites. Even though they've gone through a lot of sin, they turned away from God, God is still there in the city, in the city of Jerusalem. Now, the Jerusalem represents heaven because when you go to Jerusalem, you have to go up. So Jerusalem represents heaven. It also represents the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God, God is saying, hey, I will be there. God is with the kingdom, amen? Amen. So the question is not, is God with us? The question is, are you with God? See, God is there. We know in Acts chapter 17, 26 through 28, God is not far from any one of us. God is there. God may be waiting for you to come to Him. Because the question is, are you with God? You may be very close to God, but you've got to take another step to really get to God. You may be by God's side, but you're not really there with God. You may be trying to be in front of God, but you're not with God. You may be way behind God, but you're not with God. We know that God will be there. Will you be with God? And this is one of the things that a lot of people say. Is God really with me? Is God really here in my life? Well, that's actually a good question. God may very well not be with you. And if you feel that way, I challenge you to study the Bible. Study the Bible and get right with God. Be in a place where you know that you are right with God. Because when judgment comes, I don't want to be there questioning. When we hear that sound, I don't know what it's going to sound like. And then Jesus comes back. I don't want to be there freaked out, not knowing where I'm going to go. I don't want to be there sweating bullets. Thinking that, well, maybe God will go against his word. Maybe God will will say something different from what the word of God says. But we know God is faithful to his word. That's how he's faithful to us. You know, this saying is God is faithful. He's faithful to us. Yes, but God is actually faithful to his word. So if we do something against his word, God is faithful to his word. That's why he's faithful to us because his word doesn't change, so God doesn't change. And this is very powerful because The other name of God is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. So if the Lord is there, the Lord will provide. If the Lord isn't there, the Lord probably won't provide. If you're not with the Lord, the Lord can still provide for you because He created you. See, God loves everyone unconditionally. But to have a relationship with God, this is conditional. There are conditions. God says, you can't do this, you can't do that. Or you can't be my disciple. God is literally in the Bible. 
And God has conditions. But regardless of what those conditions are, God is still there. Because He loves us. But will God provide for you? Are you providing for God? What have you done for God? All we can really do for God is to help people to have a relationship with God. We can't do anything for God, but that's the least we can do for God. It's to help people to come to the knowledge of the truth. God will provide for His kingdom. God will provide financially. We all know next week is our missions contribution. And where we're just like raising money because we want to send a a, a mission team out to Amsterdam. We don't believe in buying buildings, buying mortgages, and then investing all the money in the mortgage, and then the maintenance, and then the electric, and then the gas, and then something falls, and then we got to fix that, and pay for that, and this, and this, and that. We don't believe in that. We believe in investing our, our money, obviously, in renting, which is cheaper, and in people. We want to raise young people up to do great things for God. We want to raise young people up to do great things for God. And we want older people to do great things for God as well, amen? We want to raise the older people up to do great things for God. But we have our special missions. Now, a lot of people can complain about special missions. And then they can say, oh, it's money. See, I knew it. This church was about money. Ah, I'm not coming back. Oh, okay, don't come back then. Um, but yeah, we, we, we need money to build God's kingdom. And you don't even need to really use your own money. That's what people think. Oh, they want, they want me to take my out. I, I get paid and then they want me, want me to give it all to the church. No, that, that's, that's not really the smart way to do it. The smart way to do it is to ask other people to give to the kingdom of God. It's to ask those who may not even believe, but they'll give. You don't believe in God, but you'll give for the cause of God? Okay, I'll take that. We could easily smash out our missions if we start tonight. If you just knocked on doors tonight. Hello, I'm part of an international Christian charity, uh, also a church. Uh, what we want to do, we want to help young people raise up. We want to help young people to come off the streets, come off of stabbing, come off of doing drugs, come off of all this crazy stuff, and to do great things in their life. Yeah. We, we're just looking for support. For some support. I'm your neighbor. I just live right, right across from you. Oh, how much you want? Um, you know, my goal is uh, 2,000 pounds, so it'd be awesome if you had 2,000 pounds. Just be bold. <laughs> That's my, that's my goal. I mean, you know. The Lord will provide. We just don't believe. We don't believe in the Lord God Almighty. We don't believe that God will provide. We don't believe that God will provide. Why? Because we don't believe that God is there. And that's an issue about your relationship with God. How is your relationship with God? You know, I really want to challenge the church... To go back to God. It's all about God. It's not even about the money. It's not 
It's not really about the fruit. It is, but not really. It's about God. It's about how we love God. It's about how we go to God in prayer. It's about what we're learning in our Bibles. It's completely and totally about God. God has to be your Lord God Almighty. God has to be your most high God. God has to be Lord and Master. God has to be your provider. God has to be your healer. And remember, God will provide for you. And to God be all the glory. Amen.